Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Salem. Um, my name is Tim Power. I'm a pastor of Modern Worship here, and I want to thank you for making it out this morning. It was, it was a challenge <laughs> to get here, I'm sure, but I thank you for being here and worshiping with us. Um, I am going to start the sermon today with a sentence I've never started a sermon with. It's probably a sentence you've never heard a sermon started with. In fact, it might be the first time anybody's ever started a sermon with this sentence. But here it is. I don't like throw up. I don't. I'm weird like that, okay? In fact, I don't like it so much, I do it as infrequently as possible. And not only that, I do it only involuntarily. Now, I know that's a strange way to start this, but I say that by way of introduction to a story. And this story takes place at Chuck E. Cheese. And I'll bet it doesn't surprise you that a story about throwing up takes place at Chuck E. Cheese, if you've ever been to Chuck E. Cheese. Um, who, who here has kids, uh, young kids right now? Um, who's been to Chuck E. Cheese before? So if you don't know what this place is, I'll try to explain it. Uh, it it's, it's, it's a kind of a kid's pizza place. Um, they've got games and things like that, kind of an arcade. It's kind of like if you took Pizza Hut and Hell and put them together. That's Chuck E. Cheese. So I'm, I'm there at Chuck E. Cheese with my kids. Uh, I've got three young sons, and so that means I spend a lot of time in places I don't want to be doing things I don't want to do because that's parenthood a lot of the time. So I was at Chuck E. Cheese with, with my kids, and we had just finished eating, and the kids, they scattered, okay? So they scattered. They went every direction, and um, I, I don't know what they were doing. I assumed they were still on the premises of Chuck E. Cheese, but I kinda, you kind of lose track of kids at Chuck E. Cheese. But I'm, then I kind of fall into observational mode. And there's a lot of people to observe at Chuck E. Cheese. It's kind of an interesting cross-section. It makes me kind of proud to be an American. So I'm, I'm looking at some of the folks, and I'm trying to take in these people and, and kind of take in around me. There is a, a, a little girl having a, a birthday party, okay? She was probably like, uh, this is probably like a fifth birthday party. She's real, real young, blonde hair, blue eyes, and a frozen t-shirt on, and a tiara for, for her birthday. And uh, she's got some friends there, it looks like, and she's got her mom, but she keeps on jumping up and down to her mom. Mommy, when's daddy going to be here? When's daddy going to be here? And she's like, oh, he's on his way. He's on his way, honey. When's daddy going to be here? When's daddy going to be here? And so, so I could tell she must be waiting for dad to, to arrive to this party. And I keep watching. And um, this little girl was not making the best of decisions as far as her cuisine. Um, so, which it happens at, at Chuck E. Cheese, it's kind of like Las Vegas for kids. It's like a safe place to make bad choices. And so she, she's in there, she's, she's okay, here's, here's her idea that she thinks this is a good idea. She's got in one hand cotton candy, in the other pepperoni pizza. Now, and so, so she's eating, and she keeps on going back to her mom. Mom, 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 when's Daddy going to get here? When's Daddy going to get here? And so she's excited about that, but then she's still, she'll go back every couple seconds to uh, a big gorge of cotton candy and followed up right by a big bite of pepperoni pizza. Now, when I was a kid, uh, we would make these volcanoes. Remember paper mache volcanoes? And remember what you put in them? You put in, like, I think it was uh, uh, baking soda and vinegar, right? And what would happen? Boom! I found out there's an even better set of ingredients. If you want an explosion, 
and that is you take cotton candy, pepperoni pizza, and you put it in a little girl and shake her up, and guess what happens? Boom! It was an explosion. And remember what I don't like? I don't like throw up. So I'm, I'm watching this, and she throws up all over the table. She throws up all over herself, all over the presence, all over everything. And, and so I, I see this, and I, I think, oh, they're going to need some help. So I go and get some, some towels from the management and stuff. And um, here's the funny thing. Is when I get sick, when I throw up, I am done for. I'm in bed I can't move. I'm starting to call funeral homes, making arrangements. I'm done, okay? This, this was not her, uh, not how her countenance took it. She threw up, threw up all over herself, all over the table, all over the presents, and got up and smiled and says, when's daddy coming? And she just keeps saying that. When's daddy coming? When's daddy coming? So I know they clean her up a little bit. And this is the crazy thing, you know, she threw up all over the place, but the thing is, we're at Chuck E. Cheese, so nobody noticed. I hope nobody from Chuck E. Cheese is here this morning. But, but, so, but we clean up a little bit. We get her cleaned up, but, you know, you, you clean up her face. You clean up her hands. You try to get her better, but sh- there's still some all over her shirt that you can't just get out. And there, there's still like, little bits of things in her hair, and I'm thinking, oh, this is awful. And I am trying to stay as far away from this girl as possible. And she's still jumping around, and guess what she goes and starts doing again? Cotton candy pepperoni pizza. I'm thinking this is not going to go well. But guess who walks in right as everything just gets cleaned up as is normally the case? Daddy. She's been waiting for daddy. And I'll tell you what, I was trying to stay as far away from puke face as possible. But guess what daddy was doing? Daddy comes up and what's daddy's? Daddy takes this in and what does he do? He picks her up. Not only does he pick her up, he's not just trying to shake her off. He picks her up and he sweeps her into his arms. And this is the worst part. He kisses her. And he says, happy birthday, my princess. Isn't that gross? Happy birthday, my princess. And I know what some of you guys are thinking. You're thinking, that is father love at its best, right? That is father love at its best. But actually, it's just a picture of father love at its true best, which is this, that your heavenly father loved you so much that when you looked disgusting in your sin, when you looked like unlovable, like something no one would want, no one would care for, he swept you up in his arms. And he said, I love you. I want you. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says this. It says, while we were still weak, at the right moment, Christ died for ungodly people. It isn't often that someone will die for the righteous person, though, some, though maybe someone might dare to die for a good person. But God shows his, shows his love for us Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So now that we have been made righteous by his blood, we can be even more certain that we will be saved from God's wrath through him. 
if we were reconciled to God through the death of his son while we were still enemies, now that we have been reconciled, how much more certain is it that we will be saved by his life? And not only that, we even take pride in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the one through whom we now have a restored relationship with God. See, we were all at one point something that looked not so good. We were all at one point someone who either someone told us we were unlovable or we told ourselves the lie that we were unlovable. And we spoke it over ourselves and we thought, I'm unlovable, I'm gross, I'm dirty, I'm unacceptable. But your father doesn't think so. Your father loves you, and he picks you up no matter what you look like. And he says, I love you. And guess what? When I read about that kind of love, it's not just intellectually fascinating. Although I find theology intellectually fascinating sometimes. But when I hear about the love of God, this kind of love, I'm not just fascinated, good to know, I'll move on to the next thing. When I hear about this good news, it changes my entire outlook on life. And and if you take it seriously, it should should change your entire outlook. If you buy into the good news, it actually kind of turns into glasses that you're looking through all the time. You're, You're looking through the gospel and everything looks different because that kind of love changes everything. I'm going to show you a billboard. Uh, that I saw one time recently. Actually, I think this, they, we have this going downtown if you're, if you're heading into the city. It says this, after you die, you will meet God. I actually, okay, while I agree with that fact, I really don't like this billboard. I don't like this billboard. Let me explain to you why I don't, even though I agree with that fact. I do believe that I'm going to meet God someday. But well, what is the motivating factor behind this billboard? What is the unspoken thing that is trying to communicate to us? What's that? Fear. Fear. Yes, it's trying to motivate fear. Here's what it's saying. It says, you're going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell and burn forever. You better choose wisely. You better choose wisely. Um, my son, Max, I, I've told this story to some of you, and so I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. Um, Max is a little Billy Graham. And when he was five years old, Max was, uh, he, he was on the school bus for the first time. Um, not, this wasn't the first day, but it was the first year that he was going to school. And Max um, came home one day, and he had made a friend on the school bus named Kevin. And so Max comes home and says, Dad, I told Kevin about Jesus. I was like, oh, that is awesome, Max. You told Kevin about Jesus. So, so what did you say? He said, I told him that, that Jesus died for him and that if, if he accepts Jesus, then he'll be in heaven forever. And I said, that's awesome, buddy. That's really cool. And then, and then I said, well, what did Kevin say? Kevin said, that's cool. And then he said, but then he asked me a question. I said, okay. Well, what question? He said, well, what if my parents don't believe? And then Max said, I, I, I'm getting a little nervous here. Um, Max says, uh, I, I say, so what did you, how did you answer that question? He said, I told him, if your parents don't believe, they're going to hell. And I was, I was starting to put my head in my hands, and I'm thinking of phone calls that I'm going to have to make or receive. And, um, and I said, well, what, what did Kevin say to that? And he said, he didn't say anything. He just started crying. And, and I said, 
well, what did you say after that? And he said, I just said, remember what I said. Remember what I said. Finest parenting moment. Um, now here's the thing. Like I said, I agree with this sentiment very much. However, using fear to get somebody to accept Jesus as their Savior is a lot like asking somebody to marry you by putting a gun to their head. It might work, but it's probably not going to last. It might work, but it's probably not going to last. See, fear, and unfortunately, I believe that the church uses fear way too often, and I call fear bad news. But the gospel, what does the gospel really mean? Good news. Good news. See, see, the gospel is a, a call for you not to fear. Bad news is a call to fear, but the gospel is a call to, listen to me now, the gospel is a call to love recklessly. The gospel is a call to love recklessly. I want to give you a definition for this because some people don't like that. I've, I've actually talked to some people about that song that the band sang called The Reckless Love of God, and it seems to insult, it kind of seems to insult the love of God. Reckless is bad, right? Reckless driving is bad. Reckless drinking is bad. But, but I want you to understand, let's look at this word reckless, and this is just a, 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 a Webster's Dictionary definition without thinking or caring about the consequences of an action. It's an adjective, without thinking or caring about the consequences of an action. And here's why I think that that idea of reckless love, it really is the Jesus that I know. When Jesus came to earth to show his incredible love, was he concerned about the consequences? Was he concerned about the consequences? No, in fact, he knew the consequence beforehand. He knew that if he expressed his love, that would mean dying on a cross by taking our sin so that we would not face punishment. I would call that a huge consequence. That is reckless. That is ridiculous. And that is absolutely beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. What would happen if we lived our lives in light of that fact, what would happen if we lived with the idea that reckless love was given for us? And so we're seeing everything through the eyes of reckless love, fully abandoned love, love that doesn't think about the consequences, love that is not informed by fear, but is only informed by knowing that we've been loved so deeply by somebody who gave all of themselves for us. What would that look like in our lives, what would that look like in your lives? Um, you remember last week we watched a video of um, Brad, who, who's down at the Connection, and he uh, he does a really cool thing. He does a transportation ministry where he brings people uh, on in a big van to church every Sunday. Um, he also runs their recovery ministry, and that was it was really cool to see how God is doing something on the inside. How He took Brad from where he was to a new place. And I want to make sure, you know, if, if you're in this place and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to make sure that you know this. As Christians, we don't say we're better than anybody. We don't say that we're better than anybody. We just say that we're better than we were before we knew Jesus. I'm just better than I was before I knew Jesus. And for what, for what that is worth, for what my experience is worth, I, I'd love to be able to share that with anybody. 
I, w- I like how that's changed my life, and that's what I want to share. I'm not trying to, to say that I'm better because I'm a Christian. I'm just saying my life is better with Jesus. Um, I wanted to share a couple other stories with you today. Now, a lot of times, uh, pa- parents, you know, we, we talk a lot about the teenage years and how they're very challenging. I'll tell you, for, for people of faith, one of the most challenging times in people's lives is in college. A lot of times we see people fall away in the college years because, and, and here's one thing about that, is we have, our culture has kind of told us in college it's all about you. And it's all about you doing what you want to please you. In the larger culture, we're continued. That, that doesn't stop at college, but that's kind of where, where you're kind of told, hey, these are your years. Just, just discover you. Just be about you and what you want. Um, there's a couple young ladies from Salem that I just kind of want to show you a little bit about what they're doing. Uh, Lillian Donahue and Jessica Puyo, I, I actually, I had known them from, I was very involved in our youth program for a number of years, so I had uh, been around them some. Also got to spend a week in Costa Rica with them and see how God was using them as high schoolers. And I want to show, share a little bit with you about what they're up to now um, and how they're living out the good news where they're at. And so um, we're going to first show a video that Lillian sent us. Hello, it's Lillian Donahue here. I went to Salem from like third grade to when I graduated and went off to college. I am currently in Phoenix. I go to the downtown campus of Arizona State University. Now it's nighttime and I am standing in front of a white wall. So here's a wonderful picture of me actually in Arizona. I do a lot of hiking. I do a lot of outdoorsy stuff and Arizona is the place to do it. College is so important because it's a time in someone's life where they're really deciding what kind of person they're gonna be. What kind of foundation are you gonna put there for the rest of your life? And so for me, I'm trying to put my foundation in Christ. And I've put a lot of my time in college into pouring into other people, pouring into my spiritual life um, and really kind of diving into my faith. So I am a part of a group called Arizona State Chi Alpha. No, it is not a sorority or fraternity. It is a Christian ministry. And so I'm a part of the downtown Chi Alpha. I lead small group every single Monday night. And it's so rewarding to see these sophomores and these freshmen and it's so interesting to see them start to pray and see them start to walk in their life with God especially in college because there's so many people that can get lost um, especially at Arizona State University. I am also a part of the New City Church. Um, It's right on Central in downtown Phoenix. I'm a Sunday school teacher and I still teach third and fifth like I did at Salem. Um, I guess it's now ingrained in who I am. Uh, but it's, it's been a wonderful experience being at New City for the past two and a half years um, and being with Chi Alpha for the past one and a half. I just really try to make time for rest. I'm also, I'm a journalist and I am never stopping. News never stops. So for me, learning what God tells me about hustling, but also more importantly about what rest is and being still, that's a really big thing that God's working on in my life and frankly, 
I'm not there yet. A few things that God has also called me to out here is really giving a voice to the voiceless. Jesus spoke to those who were deemed unacceptable in his society. And so I am a Borderlands reporter. My entire job is to cover people like immigrants, Native American issues, those who live along the borderline, who don't necessarily get covered by the mainstream media. So my whole calling, I feel, is to go and tell those stories impactfully and inspirationally about these people that don't usually get voices. Um, and I feel like God is definitely pushing me in that direction. I will graduate the next year and it's gonna be crazy and I don't know where he's gonna put me, but I know that I'm gonna keep following him. And I love hiking, so I have this analogy and I'll leave you with this. For me, as long as I stay on the Jesus Trail, it doesn't matter how hard it gets. It doesn't matter if I'm climbing ro rocks to get up, if it doesn't matter if I fall down or sit on a saguaro cactus on accident, I've done that. It doesn't matter. As long as you get to the top, you're gonna see an incredibly beautiful view. And I'm not gonna get to the top for a really, really long time, but I'm gonna stay on the Jesus Trail. Um, I'm gonna stay trusting him and asking him to show himself in my life. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep serving him because it's like so rewarding. All right, bye. So that is awesome. What Lillian's up to. I also wanted to share a little bit about Jessica. Now, uh, can we, can we put a picture of uh, Jessica? There was a. Uh, one picture of her. She's here with her executive team. Jessica is running an organization um, at TCU called Leaps. And Leaps does so much for their community. And in fact, it was kind of interesting to me to see all the things they're doing. They're very similar to the things that we've done on our serve days here at Salem, which is we want to get out and serve all parts of the community and reach out to as many people and do as many things as we possibly can. And Jessica's director of the Leaps program at TCU. Um, they did a thing back in October, a really awesome event. More than 50 of their students were serving at 15 sites in the community where they were painting fences and benches. They fed the homeless, provided free books for more than 250 children, I mean 205 children. Now I want to show a picture of Jessica with one of these children. This is Amir. Uh, Jessica sent me a little text about Amir. She said she's a sixth grader who lives in the homeless shelter that I volunteer at a couple of times a week. We began working together in August, and we still work together and read together every single week. Now, I want to make uh, a real quick disclaimer about, about these girls. And yes, I'm bragging on these girls because I, I really think what they're doing is awesome, especially after, you know, they've, they've left their, their home church that they grew up in, and they could just kind of be, just, just be tossed along uh, with whatever the culture says that you should spend your time on, namely yourself. Namely, whatever gives you pleasure, whatever makes you feel good in the moment, and yet they're not. And yet they're, they're devoting their time to showing love in reckless ways. Now, what I wanted to make a quick distinction about was this. Some people would say that they're engaged in charity. Charity. That, that's some, mostly we think of the word charity as, uh, as a good thing. I think charity is awesome, but I think it's a lot more than that. I said this last week that the changed people change people. That, that when people's lives have been changed by the love of Jesus Christ, like when you've had this heart realization of what Jesus did for you, th then that you put on those gospel glasses and so suddenly everything looks different. And, and sometimes we do charity out of guilt. 
We do charity out of guilt. We see something on TV that makes us feel like, oh, those kids, I've got so much, they've got so little. And the problem with charity is it sometimes gives us a God complex. And the difference between showing love in reckless ways, the way that's different from charity, is that charity is done out of a sense of guilt, whereas this kind of reckless love is done out of a sense of redemption. I've been redeemed. I want to live differently. I have been redeemed. I want to love better. I want to love harder. I want to love relentlessly. I want it to look ridiculous to people around me. How can you love this much? How can you want to be this kind of person? It seems reckless. It seems, it seems like so giving up of self. Well, that's what has been done for me. And How can I live any differently than that? I'm going to invite the band back up on the stage. We are going to be starting into our Lenten season. This is an awesome time for you to reflect on how you'd like to grow in your relationship with Jesus. It's my real prayer, and it has been this, I know, for these, for these girls that we shared today, that, that Salem be like a good news incubator a good news incubator where we just go around and we are reminding each other all the time of the love that God has shown us. We are reminding each other all the time and encouraging each other all the time that we're to live differently, that we're to love differently because of what Jesus has done for us. And if we can make this place a place that's almost like a greenhouse where we go in and it feels different on the inside. And and when we go out, we take something of that with us. Now, one of, the, one of our uh, visions for this church is that our people would not only come and worship with us, but that you would serve with us. And there's two ways that you could do that. You could serve in the church by helping us with, with ministry, but there's another way we could do that, which is serving our community outside the church. And what I would like to just offer, just as, as I'm closing down this sermon and, and we're going to worship a little, is, is that you pray during Lent and ask God, where do you want me to connect here? Where do you want me to serve the church? And where do you want me to serve the community? And we've got all sorts of resources we can help you to find a place to connect to, to do both of those. But a lot of this, we want that born out of prayer. We want it also to be not just something you're doing because you feel compelled because I'm giving you guilt because I'll tell you, I'm not a guilt guy. I don't want to give that or put that on you. I'm a, I'm a grace guy. And Jesus is a grace guy. So I want to just encourage you with that right now, that that God's grace is strong and powerful. And we want to find a way that you can live into this reckless, abandoned love for the world around you and for Jesus Christ. If you would, stand to your feet. I'm going to pray, and then we're going we're gonna to sing a verse and chorus of that song, Reckless Love. Lord God. It's amazing what you've done for us. It's amazing how you love us. When we felt like no one could, when we felt unacceptable, you loved us. I pray that you would just help us, help us right now, God, to invite your Holy Spirit in, to continue this transformational process where we become more like Jesus, where we become more given over to your reckless, abandoned love. Help us to see the world through the eyes of your love. In Jesus' holy name, amen.